Konnichiwa minasan. Kirk here from jamaipanese.com. Welcome to episode 8 of the JA podcast. This episode is being recorded on September 13th, 2018. In the last episode, I did an interview with my friend Shikisha, who I met at a social media event many years ago in Jamaica, uh, but somehow we ended up in Japan. We spoke about her time on the JET program and so much more. It was good to get some insight uh, from a veteran JET program participant, so I want to thank Shikisha again for being on the pod- podcast. Today, I have a fellow Caribbean queen, this time from the Twin Island Republic of Trinidad and Tobago. Ariel Matthews is fresh on the JET program, arriving about a month ago and settling into life in Japan. I thought it would be interesting to talk to someone new on the JET program uh, so that anyone applying for JET now, as applications are open, or in the near future can get a feel of what the early weeks and months are like, uh, as well as the application process to come on JET. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Please remember to leave your feedback in an email to contact at jamaipanese.com or tweet me at jamaipanese on Twitter. Episode 8 of the JA Podcast begins now. Welcome to episode 8 of the JA Podcast. Today I have a brand new participant on the JET program, Ariel Matthews, who is from Trinidad. Um, Hello, Ariel. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm okay, and how are you? I'm well. Summer is almost over in Japan, and it's already getting a little too chilly for our liking, because we're both from the Caribbean, eh? It is very cold, at least for me. Yeah, I understand. (laughs) Trust me. So, tell me about Ariel Matthews. Who is Ariel Matthews not? Well, I am not someone who was born with a silver spoon. As a result, I know the value of hard work, sacrifice, and how to be grateful. I am also not someone who believes that learning ever stops, you know? Yes, that's, that's a good... Um, way of thinking because many people think that hey I have a master's degree or I've I'm at X place in my career so I don't need to learn anything new but as many are discovering as you said learning never ends mm-hmm. so what drew you to the JET program uh, I can't remember the first time I heard about it but As I heard more about it, I became more and more interested because the program's ideals align with mine. That is education, culture, English, and travel. So I decided to align my degree with the program's requirements to a certain extent. So I remember, I can't remember when I first heard about it, but I do remember being in university and asking my lecturers if this degree would allow me to align myself with this program because they knew people who did the program before. Interesting. Uh, My degree is in IT. (laughs) So (laughs) 
I, I understand that some degrees, even though they don't admit it, have a better chance. Yeah. Like if you definitely have a teaching degree and a teaching experience, I feel like you have an an advantage for the JET program. I, you know what? I, I wonder because I know some people who have teaching degrees and still didn't get in. So True. I wonder yeah, if it's that's the case. Yeah, it's one of the many things. Also, of course, your application and your interview. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if you get at least to the interview process, if you mm-hmm. don't get on, I feel like it's more so the applicant's fault. You know, maybe mm-hmm. the interview didn't do, go so well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people, um, like, once they've gotten into like the meat of the matter, maybe different changes in their life. Maybe they're just no longer interested because the process is quite long. So long. Yeah. Um, speaking of the process, um, did you face any challenges in preparing to apply to the program? Yeah. So I initially planned to apply in 2016, which is when I finished my degree. However, I had to organize something so that I'd be better prepared for the 2017 application. I couldn't apply because for the last year of my university, when I was completing university, I started renting. So I had to work nights a lot of times and it, it caused me to have a lot of things to do, basically. When, when my degree ended, I had to catch up with many things because I was working nights and I barely had time and I, I had to organize my legal documents. I didn't have a passport. I didn't have any money. I also didn't have any Japanese certification. So I went to UE and I did a short course at UE CLL St. Augustine because I felt that doing that short course and also, of course, getting my passport together and saving a bit of money would have better prepared me for the other year. So in preparing for it, I had to be patient and wait until I was better prepared. See, you you did a Japanese course, you, you aligned your degree like you really had the JET program as a goal. And that's that's very admirable. I feel like um, the JET program gets some really good candidates, um, especially mm. from like the Caribbean, um, like course. the group that I came with, like mostly teachers with like 10 plus experience, 10 plus years mm. experience teaching and like heads of departments and stuff. It's, it's amazing the high level of um, Caribbean applicants to the JET program. Mm. And I want to... I want to say one thing that I had to do, one challenge that presented itself mm-hmm. in hopes that maybe someone who is podcast may be going through the same thing mm-hmm. <laughs> and wondering if it will pay off, you know? So as I said, I was, I had just started living alone. So my funds were really low. And I remember someone giving me a stove, my sister-in-law that she didn't need. And at the time I was living in shared, a building that had shared accommodation for university students. So I didn't need the stove right away. So what happened was the the time to do the course for UE Japanese came mm-hmm. up and I didn't, didn't have the money to pay to do it, but I knew that I needed to do it. So I had to sell the stove. <laughs> I felt that I had to sell the stove. Uh-huh. <laughs> she had no problem with it, but um, 
I felt as though I had to do it in order to do the course, you know. And at that time, I was depressed about it because it was one of my first appliances. But I see now that doing that, making that sacrifice and being depressed for that time has now, is now having its rewards, you know. Yep. Excellent. Um, what was the application process for Jet Like for you from um, the beginning, from the start to when you found out, hey, you've been accepted? It was very long, as everyone says. It was very long. (laughs) So I started brainstorming around June. I revised, edited, revised again, edited again. And then I kept on doing that straight up to a couple days before handing in. But I felt as though I did a lot of work to ensure that my application was as best as it could be. Mm -hmm. The night before... Because the, because this application is so long and can be very frustrating, I started to have different reactions to it. So because I was stressing out over it, I developed hives like the night before. Well, I would, I would get it sometimes when I'm stressed out. But that mm-hmm. was one time that it was really bad. However, even though I was so stressed the night before, the interview was actually anticlimactic. Because it wasn't, it wasn't what you expected. It wasn't what I expected at all. It turned out to be a series of simple questions about why I want to go to Japan and why the JET program. Simple questions that anyone, I guess, once they have an interest in the program, could answer. So I wish I didn't stress out so much about it, but I realized that the stress was necessary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So continuing with the process for it, I got the results. I was teaching and I got the results for the interview at my school. And I remember constantly checking for it. And then when I got it, my children saw my students. They saw the reaction that it had on me. So I almost started screaming and they were scared. (laughs) I'm sorry. And then when I got placement information at my school, I left from my class and ran to my friend's class and started crying, and I scared <laughs> my children again, so I apologize. You're a bad I, teacher. I apologize. Poor traumatized it a, kids. It was a tough time in my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the essay is something mm-hmm. that many people don't realize how important um, that bit of your application is. Um, yep. If I may also give some advice, like anyone who is applying for JET, like spend the time to ensure that your essay is done well. Ensure that it's not just a generic essay about, hey, I like Japan because of anime and video games and manga and and I've always wanted to go to Japan and Japan is so cool and, and me, me, me and I, I, I. Like my advice would be talk about what you can give to the program how can you make the program better what is your addition you know what are you going to do during and maybe even after the program like how is this how is your presence on the program going to be useful is what you really should be focused on also buttering up the japanese in in a sincere way doesn't hurt and yeah once you 
yeah, once you've up, once you've been accepted for the interview, it's it's all yours to lose. Wow. Yeah. All yours to lose, very true. Yeah. So you left your country, the beautiful Caribbean island of Trinidad and Tobago, for the first time. How um, did you and your family um, deal with the big change? It's like you're you're not going to like America or Canada. You're going all the way on the other side of the world to Japan. Mm-hmm. Well, it was it was an emotional experience for us all. Even my brother, who is usually very strong and stoic, he <laughs> was able to he cried, and he. You know, there, there was, there were, we had a lot of conversations, long conversations, tears from my mother. So it was a really emotional time for all of us. And I can tell that they are very proud of me. And I also feel grateful that I received their support and that I am in this position to inspire others in my family. Like my nephew, I hear him now speaking about coming to Japan and going <laughs> to America and going to different places. And that makes me happy because generally people in my family don't travel, not because we don't want to, but because finding the opportunity is tough, you know? Yep. So my mother and grandfather, they were scared of the disasters and other things that regularly happen in Japan. So my mother, anytime she hears anything on the news about Japan, she would call me no matter what time it is, poem. So sometimes she would call me 1 a.m., 5 a.m., <laughs> and I am yep. sleeping <sighs> to ask me if I'm okay. I mean, I appreciate it, <laughs> but it's tough when I have school in a couple hours. But I understand that it will take her a while to relax. Yeah. So my parents and grandparents, they help to alleviate a lot of the stress for me as well. So I will never forget one thing that my grandfather told me. And it it may be simple, but it helped me a lot. He told me, he said, just go, see if you like it. And if you don't, then simply come back home. (laughs) I felt a lot lot of stress to seeing that I've come so far, that I have to come here and stay for as long as I could and then do this and do that and do this. And I have to do it. But he told me, "If if if it's not working out for you, just come back home. And that helped me a lot. That's that's simple um genius. Like that's that's the best kind of advice. Like um you know you have somewhere to go back to, you're not homeless or this is not a one shot and you failed. Like go go explore, go live your life, go inspire and motivate others, not just yourself. And yeah, if it's not working out you come back home. St- yep. <laughs> It's um, like you, you, you've already made us proud. You don't have to do anything else, you know? You yep. don't have to earn our pride. Oh, that, yeah, that's good. <laughs> nice. So you're living in Japan now. Uh, where in Japan do you now reside? And what is your town like so far in the <laughs> month that you've lived there? I live on Dogo in the Oki Islands, which has a population of about 15,000. And it is the biggest of the Oki Islands, <laughs> even the best, maybe. <laughs> so my town is very quiet compared to back home. I always read about people saying that Japan is so quiet. 
And I didn't realize how quiet it was. Like, I wonder if there are even people around me sometimes. But mm. I see them leaving their homes and going to work and then coming back home. But then when they're home, I hear nothing. No, no TV, no doors. It's weird. So it's yeah. very quiet. It's very clean. The people are very friendly. And although it is very small, there are many things to do. I've only been here for a short time, but in, in that short time, I've been able to get into swimming and join the choir and even started like walking slash trying to jog. <laughs> so, there are so many different things that I now feel safe enough and so many opportunities to get into activities and to throw myself into things. So I, I really I really like it. I oh. really do. Yeah, I I feel like um like rural Japan versus urban Japan there's so much of a difference. Like yeah. like rural people or country people as we'd say in the Caribbean are friendly no matter where in the world. Mm-hmm. And um I'm also on one of the Oki Islands, not the biggest. Um mm-hmm. but I'm on the third largest. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I, le- I can speak for the Oki people. Very friendly, very friendly people. Yeah. It's well, a beautiful place to live. Yep. Beautiful beaches, beautiful people. The kids are awesome. Yep. It's just, yeah, I, I can relate. <laughs> well, living in Japan, of course, can't be all rainbows and the unicorns. Um, <laughs> what would you say is the most difficult part of living living in Japan so far? The most difficult part so far is food mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Because <laughs> Japanese food is very different to the food that we cook back home. Our food it, <sighs> our food is very different. So me yeah. trying to eat food here is turning out to be more stressful than I anticipated. So I read before I read before coming that if you're not eating the school lunches, if you're eating the school lunches, then you should try to eat all of it as a teacher to set the example because they encourage the children to eat all. But on my first day, I could not eat all of the lunch because it was so different. Everything kind of tasted the same. It felt cool and it felt as if the fish was just taken out of a tin and put on my plate. Not, not, not that not that the food isn't good to other people, but to me, it just wasn't what I was expecting or what I could put up with. Yep. So I opted to not eat school lunch, at least for a while. And then the next day, they brought octopus, and I have never eaten octopus. So I don't <laughs> understand how I would have been able to eat all of it to set a good example. I mean, kudos to those who do and who can, but I couldn't. <laughs> so I opted to not and to cook. And so on the flip side, I am cooking every day, which is good because I can cook healthy things and mm-hmm. I can actually enjoy my lunch when it is lunchtime. And another thing that is really difficult, so that that's one of the most difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Another thing is that being away from family and friends is tough. I thought living alone for a while before would have helped me. It has. But being home and not hearing 
not seeing your family members or not seeing your friends or not just being able to have a conversation with someone and not censor yourself and speak slowly so they can understand uh, is yes, tough yes. Some- <laughs> it's tough sometimes and then you know you do that at work and then you come home and there's no one that you can just speak to without any barriers also the language and accent barriers because even though i speak english i have my accent and even other people who speak english have a hard time understanding me sometimes and that is not is it's not a very hard thing for me but it's something that makes communicating a bit a bit more difficult Tell me about the accents, trust me, and speaking slowly sometimes so people can understand. But it is what it is. Feel free to speak naturally when talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) And then also, Mm -hmm. sometimes there are some words that are so Caribbean or so Trinidadian, and then I I use it in daily life, and then someone looks at me and it's only then I realize, oh, you all don't have that word in America. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing Sorry. shades at the Americans, eh? No, Let, no, let's no, leave no. it there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you were a teacher, um, as you said, back home in Trinidad. Um, how is the change from like being the main teacher running the lesson to the assistant language teacher or LT as, as um, you are in Japan? Well, um, I only taught I, I, I only taught full-time for two years. But in those two years, I, it started off really rough. And I was able to mold my craft and become better at teaching and work at it and find out what works for my children. So I became better at it even in those two years, right? So if in Japan, it's great seeing different teaching styles. However, I got better at classroom management in Trinidad. So coming to Japan and seeing the different styles that they have is good. But sometimes it's frustrating to see Mm -hmm. a class that is out of control Mm -hmm. and know that you can sort it out in a couple of seconds and also know that you can't sort it out. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to hush and try other subtle ways of trying to not manage the classroom because it's not your classroom, but at least help out with the classroom management. So it's it's frustrating sometimes. It's it's a relief sometimes that I don't have to deal with classroom management because it can be tough to deal with. But then most times I'm like, ah, oh, I just want to sort this out. Not that I'm a big sorter of classrooms or anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the in the early weeks, as you're still in now, I feel like, especially at the, the shogako or elementary level, um, the yeah. teachers and you are still kind of working out that chemistry and understanding each other. But I feel eventually, at the elementary level, you'll be given more leeway or more of a leading role to yeah. kind of get into managing lessons and classes and stuff with maybe the the jte being the the alt a lot of times mm. um but at the junior high school level i feel like you'll always be the the alt which is fine um mm. but like elementary is personally like my favorite 
um, yeah. level to teach because the kids are just like so happy and free and enjoying themselves. But give it time. Uh, and yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the relationship between teachers and students is also very different here because in Trinidad, there are certain things that you would never ask a teacher or never say to a teacher or never do to a teacher, you know? Yep. And here it's different. We think about, well, I thought about Japan as this very strict nation, you know? But, and I guess the one thing that I like about them is that they give the children so much independence. But one thing that frustrates me is that they, sometimes I think children need to know the difference between a student and a teacher sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they need to show a certain level of respect for their teacher sometimes. So that's tough to see sometimes. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel, again, <laughs> um, you're not wrong. You're definitely correct. Uh, I feel like in my situation, I can speak for, I feel like there are certain teachers that the students don't dare <laughs> mess around with. Yeah, play. Yeah, they don't play with, like, maybe it's even the same in, in, in Jamaica, I can say, where there are certain teachers that just are scary or strict, while there are others that are a little bit more free, but then there still are times that you you better shape up or there still are many things that you dare not do that I see some of these Japanese kids do that I'm just like, I, I can't believe I just heard or saw what I just hear, yeah. heard or saw. Uh, but yeah. Um, mm. Speaking of the students and teachers and a little bit <laughs> about the community, how has the early exchanges, the early classes and stuff with your students, um, talking to your fellow teachers, other Jets and um, the members of your community been so far? Well, in terms of the JET community, I don't think that I can describe how much the JET community on Oki and in Shimane, and I guess on the whole, how helpful everyone has been to me, you know? And I guess to everyone else. Emotionally, you know, it takes a lot to move your whole life from one part of the world to another. And it also takes a, it takes a lot to travel for the first time and to be in a new place for the first time. And although many times I try to do things on my own, people have shown me here that I don't have to, you know? So I feel as though the level of support that I, I am receiving from everyone is amazing. And I never thought that I would feel so close to people so quickly and to get that le- that that level of love and care so quickly, you know. And so that is something that I would always remember. And that is something that I would like to give to others when they come to Oki or Japan once I'm able to. So in terms of students... They are very curious about me. (laughs) Curious. eh, That's a good way to put it. But continue. They always ask about my hair. They're very sweet, but, you know, they're very sweet. They're very, 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 very sweet children. Mm -hmm. They want to touch my hair and they want to touch everything. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, they, they are great, great children. And in terms of the teachers, they are very supportive as well. But they are also apprehensive about my weak Japanese. And I, I don't give them wrong because the ALT, my friend who 
who worked and who was an ALT in these schools before, she is very good at Japanese. Uh-huh. So from working with her and then working with me, I guess, is tough because you, you know, so I understand. So I try to make it easier by, of course, studying Japanese more <laughs> and trying to find ways that we can reach each other without misunderstanding. Yeah, don't uh-huh. don't stress too much about learning the Japanese right off the bat. Um, mm. Just give yourself time and just take it. Don't don't just be. I must learn Japanese. I must learn Japanese. Just give yourself time. Some people will pick stuff up like super quickly within weeks, while others it will take a while. So just don't stress about it. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Also, in terms of my community. Uh, when I first came here, I noticed that people were staring at me uh, at the grocery, in the road, at the pool. <laughs> people were just always staring. And I am not someone who really likes all that attention, so it was unnerving. So it was difficult for me. But I've gotten more used to it. And I think when I first came and I noticed that people were staring at me, I was looking at them to see if they were staring at me. So if I'm walking down the road, I'll be looking into cars to see if people are looking at me. Or yeah, that that is not that that is not helpful at all. So I I think to anyone who is who goes to a place where people are staring at you, just try to ignore it. Go about your business if it means staring at the ground, staring at the sky. <laughs> because the, the the more you look to people to see if they're staring, is the more they would be staring because you are staring at them. Mm. So it's weird. So, so just live your life, forget it, like, whatever, just remember why you are there, and that just, just by your presence, you are already breaking barriers. You're, you're exotic, you're new, you're different, so, mm. like, I feel the people are quite curious to, like, who is this person that we're seeing for the first time in our small community type of thing, but I, I mm-hmm. like, many... Foreigners in Japan are quite, some are quite offended by the staring, but for me, it's just like, I don't know, it's it's something that is inevitable, yeah. but at the same time, it's not something that there's any, how do I say, um, bad intentions. Um, it's, yeah, it's just like, wow. There's a there's a black person or there's a blonde person or you know there's a foreigner in my community. Oh my God, my mind is blown. Type of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the jet program applications have opened up. I think in most places, if not all places, that offer the jet program all over the world as we speak. I'm we're recording this on September the thirteenth, two thousand and eighteen. Um, do you have any advice for anyone who may be listening to this podcast and um, any advice do you have that could be useful to them? Well, firstly, prepare well. Give it your all. Leave no, leave no stone unturned. If it means, if despite your best efforts, you are still not in a position to give it your best this year, then maybe consider giving it a year. Get your important stuff together and try again next year. And if you don't get in, try again. And of course, if you apply, spend time with your family and friends. 
because this program is very real, even though it doesn't feel like that. And in a couple of months, you could be very far away from the people who know you best. So definitely spend some time with them. Also, accept help. Because for you and for me, it was a pride thing to try to do it all on my own. But remember that the people who love you, if they feel as though they need to help you, it's sometimes it sometimes isn't only for you, but for them as well. They would feel better knowing that they sent you off in the best way possible. Nice. So that's my advice. <laughs> nice, nice. That's some awesome advice for anyone listening to this. Yeah, don't. I agree. Don't um, half ass your 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 um, application. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people applying and you, you just have to focus on you and why you want to be on the program and what you can contribute to the program. Mm-hmm. Don't just do it as a second thought because, hey, I don't have a job, so might as well. Or, oh, I'm out of college now. What am I going to do? Oh, jet program. Like really want to be on the program and it will come out in your application and your interviews and stuff. Mm, very sure. Finally, are there any creative projects or any other undertakings by Miss Ariel Matthews that you would like to share to me and my readers, my listeners? Well, I I don't want your readers or listeners to swipe my idea, but <laughs> I know that they, they, they are honest people, so I will tell you. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, you heard it here for and I first, guess, folks. Secret information. Guess, Go ahead. I guess this is something along the lines of what you and I spoke about, about Caribbean children mm-hmm. not seeing themselves in the things that they're reading. And as a result, they don't feel motivated to read and write. So right now I am working on a book of counter narratives to classical fairy tales but with a Trini twist on it. So hopefully I'm able to do something with this <laughs> that would bring good results to the children of Trinidad and Tobago and the Caribbean, hopefully. Awesome. Like, as a black man who also grew up in the Caribbean, like, I hated reading Shakespeare and all those kinds of, like, European and like other types of literature that just didn't yeah. apply to me or my life and mm. I think it's an awesome idea um mm. to to put put the kids in the shoes of like let them be able to see themselves in the characters and places and things and foods and all the other things that they're reading about so yeah mm. anything I can do to help please let me know thank you yeah but thank you ariel for being on the ja podcast it's 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 been so awesome to be able to speak with you hopefully my listeners will also would have also enjoyed this episode as much as i did recording it so thank you so much ariel thank you Thank you for listening to episode 8 of the JA Podcast. Thank you, Ariel, for being such an awesome guest with your dreamy accent. 
although I give you a lot of trouble, uh, being Caribbean rivals and all, I wish for you great success on the JET program. Welcome to Japan and welcome to the Oki Islands family. All the links related to this episode will be in the show notes at jamaipanese.com. Feel free to leave your comments on this episode or, by, or tweet me at jamaipanese. Leave a comment as well on my Facebook page or send me a message directly to contact at jamaipanese.com. I'm your host, Kirk, from jamaipanese.com, signing out. Thank you for listening.